Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Aschuti, Tulane University Freeman School of Business professor and director of the Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. It's probably human nature to believe that over time, things get better. We tend to have faith that we're on a path of progress, and when we make a conscious change, it's for the better. But experience tells us that as a society, when we make changes, we don't always make wise choices. Things that can seem like a good idea at the time can, in hindsight, turn out to be not so great. When that happens, a future generation often rediscovers old ideas, and because they too believe everything is progress, suddenly what's old is new again. You know, take, for example, doctors who make house calls. In the 1930s, 40% of all doctor visits were house calls. When you were sick, the doctor would come to your home to see you. But for reasons we'll get into later, that style of healthcare fell out of favor. By the 1980s, house calls were only 1% of medical visits. But guess what? Yes, what's old is new again. House calls are making a resurgence. Over the past decade, they've grown by the millions. Here in New Orleans, we only have one medical practice that is solely dedicated to house calls. It's called NOLADOC, and its founder is Mark Berenson. Now, we first met Mark on Out to Lunch in 2016, three years after he'd launched his revolutionary practice. Then he was working by himself out of his house with a doctor bag. Today, Mark has a two-doctor practice, support staff, and an office, but still no clinic. NOLA Doc is a 100% house call medical practice. Dr. Mark Berenson, welcome back to Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. In New Orleans, if there's one thing that doesn't ever seem to go out of style, it's alcohol. Alcohol is one of the pillars of the New Orleans life. We have a tourist-dependent economy, the central focus of which is Bourbon Street. The attraction of Bourbon Street is nominally music, but its revenue is generated predominantly from selling drinks. You can even drink on the street here. We're proud of our Go Cup culture. If you're not from New Orleans, the Go Cup is a plastic cup you can legally take with you everywhere, so you never have to be without a drink. Most of us have a stack of Go Cups at home. We stock up on them at Mardi Gras. They're one of the principal throws of every Mardi Gras parade. Mardi Gras is perhaps the thing New Orleans is most famous for worldwide. And what is Mardi Gras? Well, essentially, it's a citywide, weeks-long, alcohol-fueled party. So given that we're an alcohol-centric city, opening a new business whose very reason for existence is the absence of alcohol might seem like a risky venture. That's the fundamental principle of a business called the Antidote Juice and its partner program, The Next Sober Life. The Antidote Juice is an organic juice bar in the CBD that sells juices, coffee drinks, and fresh salads. The Next Sober Life is its associated membership-based community of sober, sober curious, and sober ally members 
who believe that even in New Orleans, you don't have to sacrifice a social life to be sober. Scorch Inez is the co-founder of The Antidote and The Next Sober Life. Scorch, welcome out to lunch. Hey, welcome everyone. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Thanks for having me. Doing good. Now, Mark, uh, we've heard the pandemic has affected the provision of medical care. Uh, people have been wary of going to the doctor. They've been putting off routine health care like checkups and elective surgery, and even ER visits have declined. Alongside that is the non-medical everyday world. We're advised to stay at least six feet away from other people, and most people are hesitant to let anyone other than their family into their home. Now, I'm sure this combination of factors has affected your business, but although this is a show about business, before we get to that, I wonder what this pandemic has looked like from your unique perspective. Can you give us a brief thumbnail insight into what you've seen? Uh, yes, I can, thanks. Um, well, uh, initially there was a lot of fear, and there was I had fear, everyone had fear, because we really didn't know what we were getting into, what was, what was happening on the planet. Um, my practice in particular uh, came to a screeching halt in March because I wasn't comfortable going to see anyone. I, didn't, I wasn't comfortable sending any of my staff to see anyone and, and patients really didn't want anyone coming in their home. So um, I quickly just uh, converted to a uh, telemedicine practice and um, that has, that, that's continued. Um, for the last you know, seven or eight months, however long it's been. And we've, we have seen a few patients in their home, um, but I personally have not really seen too many people. Uh, the type of patient that I've been seeing has changed dramatically in New Orleans. Over half of my practice was, um, you know, half of my patients were tourists that came to New Orleans They'd come to New Orleans, they do New Orleans things, drinking alcohol and eating food that they don't normally eat. And you know, the next day they were not feeling well, so they would call the doctor and I would come to their hotel or you know, rental home or, or wherever they're staying and, and patch them back together again. That came to a screeching halt. Um, a, a lot of my local patients, I have continued to, all of them I continue to see what I have noticed is a significant increase in mental health uh, issues. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of anxiety, uh, now uh, depression. You know, people are, are basically freaking out. They don't know what to do. Uh, they're fearful of everything right now um, outside of their home. Um, so there's, there's just been a tremendous uh, surge in anxiety and now depression, um, drug abuse, um, so my, my opioid dependence practice has increased uh, pretty significantly. And I, I'm, I'm still just as busy, if not busier. Uh, I'm just doing it from my home and, and not going into patients' home. So I'm, I'm seeing different people, uh, different types of, of complaints, I'm still taking care of the basic things like um, you know, heart failure and um, just things that would typically go into the emergency department, they're still calling me, I'm still taking care of upper respiratory infections. There are other things that uh, cause infections other than coronavirus. Um, think those things are still happening. So my mission is still the same. I'm keeping people out of the emergency department and that, is, that feels good. Um, 
I have been taking care of quite a bit of COVID. Um, maybe perhaps at this point in New Orleans, more COVID in my practice than in the emergency department, but uh, hopefully that doesn't change because it seems like we're having a, a bit of, a, of an increase in cases. Now, now Scorch, as I mentioned earlier, uh, perhaps more than any other city on planet Earth, New Orleans has a passion for alcohol that borders on a almost religious dedication. You can get a drink practically anywhere. You can take a drink practically anywhere. We can even have legal provisions written into a statute to protect drive-through daiquiri stores. So even though there is technically an open container law in Louisiana, in New Orleans you can legally pick up a drink to go in the car. So in this context, Opening a business centered on sobriety is one of two things. It's either doomed for failure or it's a bold step in a totally unexplored market that you have all to yourself. Either way, to make things even more precarious and unpredictable, you opened your brick and mortar store in the CBD in the middle of a global pandemic. If everything works out, this is going to be one of the greatest New Orleans startup stories of all time. So from... 1 to 10, where 1 is the stupidest idea I ever had and 10 is I'm a genius. How's it working out? Well, thanks for having me, everyone. Good morning. Um, I, I just wanted to say first that people who can enjoy alcohol and socializing and has the balance to enjoy this type of culture, I have the highest level of respect for that. And I don't really believe in dividing that. Um, my business is a success and it's a total hit in the aspect that I saved my life and as a recovering alcoholic and an opioid recovering addict as well, I'm able to pioneer a movement where I'm not just a needle in the haystack and I'm actually able to incorporate some of the philosophies of recovering life without sacrificing socializing as an aspect. And I continue to be an advocate for this. Uh, I'll just give you a quick little um, understanding. Uh, six years ago, I was 85 pounds overweight, an opioid addict, and I finished off my final run uh, smoking cocaine. It was just a barroom um, agenda. You know, you go to have a drink, a good time can become a bad time too often. And I just basically lost grips with what having fun was and what actually taking care of myself was about. Uh, the next Sober Life in the Antidote Juice is a, a real um, service for New Orleans. And the fact that we don't really want to blur those lines and allow people to not want to get their life together simply because they don't want to give up their friends. And now from that aspect, I, I truly believe that we are pioneering a movement that some people might find more comfortable even just after this conversation. And you know, Mark, um, let me ask you a, a question in regard to the, the new kind of the, yeah, the new part of the pie graph for you business-wise, the uh, uh, dealing with mental health and addiction. Um, how do you approach the addiction side? Uh, what is... Um, what is your game plan or your timetable? The first thing I do with everyone is figure out what they're up to. What, is, what goes on in your day-to-day -day life? I want to know what they eat. I want to know what liquids they drink. I want to know who they hang out with, what they do for fun, uh, where they go for fun. I just I need to get a sense of their habits. And I found that there's a, there's a pattern, and Scorch can probably speak to this, there's a, there's a very consistent pattern with people who are uh, dependent on substances like opioids and alcohol, where when, when you become dependent on opioids, you basically forget about everything else in life, except for how to find more opioids. And so what goes out the window is good nutrition, 
hydration, exercise, relationships with your friends and family, your job, everything goes out the window. And all you focus on as an opioid dependent is, uh, is finding more opioids. Dr. Mark, I got to ask you, the, you know, one of the, oh, the criticisms of medical school for a long time had been that they didn't spend a lot of time teaching about nutrition. Is that changing? That is changing. In fact, Tulane has a specific program um, dedicated to nutrition. It is paramount. It's, it is the thing that everyone needs to pay attention to, to be healthy. I mean, the example I use is we have fuel that we put in our car. If you put the wrong fuel in your car, your car doesn't run right. Same is true for us. If we eat Cheetos and cookies all day and drink Coca-Cola, we're not going to feel well and we're not going to run right. So we need to- put... You know, we're sponsored by those three people. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm only, so I'm only kidding. <laughs> we need to put the proper fuel in our body so that we run right. And that's the, that is the foundation of, of how I start with, with patients. And a lot of patients are just addicted to sugar as well. And, you know, get them off of the, the poor nutrition and the junk food, get them on good nutrition so that we can support good mental health and make the proper neurohormones like serotonin and dopamine and norepinephrine and, and feel good so that we can then um, push through a program of, of finding you know, happiness outside of opioids. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking to Dr. Mark Berenson from NOLA Doc. He's a New Orleans doctor who makes house calls and Scorch Inez from the Antidote Juice, a juice bar and cafe in the CBD that's centered on a mission of sobriety that Scorch calls the next sober life. Now, Scorch, you're, you're really on the same page, aren't you? Because, you know, you talk an awful lot about uh, uh, nutrition and immune systems to help people get through all this. That's right. Um, when I got sober, I, I didn't realize how far behind I'd fallen and... Um... Mark, you're entirely right. Uh, I, I neglected myself for so long. The focus of our business is to cleanse the palate. Uh, it's been four years since I've had processed sugar in my body. I'm a fitness athlete. All the things that you're talking about from a medical perspective is something that I adapted into my life. It was just something I desired. And it was the only tools that I could use to actually harness the healthy life. I'm an anomaly. Most, where most people go, where I went, they don't come back. I consider myself a Viking in all reality. And that's why the Next Sober Life and the Antidote Juice has such a, a huge thing to offer to the New Orleans culture because it's so easy to lose grips. And like I said before, it's the people who have balance, I'm, I have the highest level of respect for that. I unfortunately do not have that balance, but I'm okay with that because my obsession has turned into servicing the community and running my business through a a real passion point of view. And I would love for anyone to take the decision I made if you're struggling with alcohol addiction, alcoholism, opioid addiction, and clean the palate out and use nutrition as the focus so you can start working on some of those very complicated things that are pressing in your life, which most of the times holds people back, yeah. One thing I was thinking when you said that is that you actually have, when you look at the other side of your business, or maybe you've kind of viewed them together, but, um, kind of a, a membership support system is built into this, right? That's right. At this point, the, the Next Sober Life is a free service, and we continue to push to make the service free. We take a lot of the profits from the antidote juice, and people just come in and have a cup of coffee, and you never know by the message that we, um, we, the, the message that we give all the time. Sometimes I just have the most random people come into our shop and say, hey, do you got a second? Do you think you can talk to me about this? 
And you know, that type of service is something that we leave on the table indefinitely. We, we don't ever want to pull that off. And like Erin and I, my partner, she went to Tulane Medical, I mean, Tulane um, Public Health School for focus in nutrition. She's got her master's. And the two of us are just a well-oiled machine in this uh, industry. And we'd like to bring everyone in. And that's, we leave that to be uh, limitless. You know, we leave that on the table, actually. And, and Mark, um, I've always been impressed since, you know, we first met uh, with the idea of coming to the home. Uh, I sat on the board of, a, I was a director of a company, a home health care company for a couple of decades. And one of the things we found is when you got into somebody's house, you could kind of see some of the things that were driving the bad behavior. I remember, you know, you'd hear about uh, a nurse coming in and finding uh, that although they had a high blood pressure, they'd open the cupboards and it would be a lot of salty soup, for instance. Uh, do, do you get that kind of thing? Absolutely. Being in someone's home, in their environment, you, as a clinician, you can learn so much about a person that you just don't get as a doctor or, or you know, clinician in a hospital where it's in a neutral environment. But you go into someone's house and you observe them in their kitchen or in their living room or in their courtyard, you can see all of the things that are affecting them and how they behave in their home. You can smell things, see things, um, and just really get a sense of what's going on. You pick up clues as to what's behind um, you know, the person that you're, you're working with. And the, the best way to make an accurate diagnosis on a patient is to get to know them. And the better you know a person, the more accurately you can diagnose them. And by being in their home, you get to know them so much uh, better than in a clinic or in a hospital. So you really pick up on clues. It's been a, a wonderful um, experience for me um, to be in, in patients' homes. And it's been very helpful in, in getting to know them and, and coming up with accurate diagnoses. And, and Scorch, uh, most people think that if I stopped drinking or I, or I you know, stopped uh, some sort of addiction, I'd be very dull and, um, and I would have no more fun for the rest of my life. How do you, how do you convince them that's not the truth? Well, I, it's really simple. Um, the life that I had before, I was a prisoner. I was a prisoner to servicing something that did nothing for me. And being loyal to something that's doing absolutely nothing for you, it seems like a very challenging thing to give up. But the reality of it is the life that I have right now, uh, Peter, I wouldn't trade for the world. Um, it, it is just such a free mental space that I have. I'm able to chase my goals down. And I'm able to live a life that I feel the best about. I go out to bars, okay? I don't talk about my sobriety when I go out because it's a socializing experience. It's a social experience. I go to nightclubs. I will be kind of comical right now, but I like to go to South Beach, club space, and I like to dance until the sun comes up. I mean, I grew up in the electronic scene. It was something that drew me in. And at the end of the day, it was the music that was the actual drug. I mean, this conversation is a drug to me. And so I've channeled my life into a different highway and I get personal gratification from accomplishing things that are challenging to me. And now I'm addicted to the challenge. It's just that simple. It's amazing. So I'd, I'd like to uh, uh, follow up on that. You know, what I tell my patients who are dependent on opioids is we need to find a new method of happiness, right? Because when you're dependent on opioids, the only way to get happiness is to take a, an opioid. And we, so we need to replace that and, we do that with, first we start with good nutrition and hydration so we can optimize the systems. And then we start exploring things that are gonna make you happy. 
And so Scorch, you now have a business and you've identified things in your life that provide happiness that are not related to opioids. And people think, you know, I can just take like Suboxone and everything's better, which is a long acting drug. That is just filling the void of an opioid so that you have an opportunity to now go find happiness on your own. And we need to be able to, you know, we need to learn how to find happiness, relearn how to find happiness organically by living and doing things and, and enjoying life. That, that's the key. And we need to retrain our brain away from happiness from opioids and into happiness from some other activity that's sustainable. And uh, doc, Dr. Mark here, what can you tell me if somebody approaches you, I've got this opioid problem, what is, what's, can you, can you just lay out the game plan for them? What, what are you going to do first and how's it going to progress? Well, yeah. So the first thing I do is I get them stable on a long acting opioid, because when we take short acting opioids like hydrocodone or, uh, you know, and, and other short acting substances like nicotine and sugar, we're riding a roller coaster up and down all day. So I identify all of these uh, roller coaster rides and get them stable on a long acting opioid. While we do that, we work on nutrition and hydration, physical activity, learning to communicate openly about your addiction and dependency with people who you care about and who care about you. And then we start you know, turning down the, the dose on opioid over a period of time, you know, could be six months, could be 18 months. We're turning down the opioid. During that time, I'm working with my patients to explore life and just go out and find happiness. And it sometimes takes a while, but you, there must be something in life that provides happiness. You can't just turn off the opioid and not replace it with something. You can't just sit around and and expect you know life is going to be better all by itself you actually have to do work it is work and that's why we have a crisis on our hands on this planet and really this goes out to both of you do you have to hit rock bottom to do anything or can people pull themselves out of it before it gets that bad can i say something on this one i'm sorry um rock bottom is so unnecessary and i don't want to step on anyone's toes by saying this where i went the place that i went to i just want to share something really quick uh, four years ago, I lost my daughter's mother to addiction. Now, this really interesting scenario wasn't that she overdosed, but she was actually in a rehab getting help and got hit by a drunk driver walking on the side of the road. Okay. Now, I just want you to think about all of the situational irony. As far as I got away from addiction, it had followed me to every corner of my life. Okay, absolutely every corner of my life where two people who were entirely in love chased rock bottom as a, as a source to figure our lives out. I went that far, she went that far to make sure everyone has to truly understand that that is an option that is truly unnecessary. Okay, the person who hit my daughter was also a victim of addiction. He has been released from my heart and I've really actually have forgiven him in every way because of the of the type of drug that this is and he was also on pain medication so does anyone have to go that far i would say absolutely not not if we have the right voices in this and the right service in our community to actually allow you to see the light that's in your heart so you can believe in yourself and rely on love itself 
to bring you out of the hole. And that's just my belief on rock bottom is just simply unnecessary. You know what I would think, Scorch, is that we have so many people that work in the hospitality industry and work till late at night or such. Are we a little more vulnerable than other places? I say in all situations we're vulnerable. And and like Dr. Mark said, it's it's about finding what makes you happy. And what I believe in, I'm not a professional, but I am um, experienced in this coming from my own mistakes. I've focused my life now on making mistakes. It's something that I actually enjoy doing. Uh, every day I wake up with like, man, I'm going to make some mistakes. Now, I'm not going to make stupid mistakes because I've made them already. But every mistake that I make, I actually learn from. And instead of feeling embarrassed or instead of feeling like a mistake is going to set me behind, it's actually like the birthplace of a whole new universe. You know, and I, I kind of tell that to people who are struggling with addiction or self-confidence is, dude, get up today and make some freaking mistakes, man. Get over it, you know, and just enjoy them. It's, they're, they're mistakes, man. And if, you know, if you can be forgiven and, and I can forgive anyone and just because I believe in love and now I'm in a place where I truly understand how important that is, mistakes are great. They're, they're, they're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it's about making new choices and, and it's, a, it's about making new choices every moment of every day. And we need to make a choice. Are we going to, you know, hide, you know, so we have a rough day. And we have a tendency in, in this culture to medicate ourselves because, you know, we had a really rough day. So we have a cocktail or we go take some pills or smoke something or whatever. We medicate to, um, you know, to numb ourselves to the experience of life. I often encourage my patients to just feel, feel the discomfort of a rough day. But when you do that, you can also feel the joy of an excellent day. But if we're always numb, and taking medicine to numb ourselves, we can't feel anything other than where am I getting this medicine? You know, where's my next you know pill? But it's important that we feel the down and that we feel the up. And you know, we just we we have to experience life and make choices every moment of every day that you know we're gonna just choose to eat nutritiously, to exercise, to communicate openly, and to not. Uh, numb ourselves to an experience uh, that, you know, maybe not so savory. And Mark, uh, I have to compliment you on something. When we had you three years ago, you were really breaking a lot of new ground here, but the um, uh, Medicare and a lot of government groups that have done a lot of pilot programs now really validated that your way might be the right way. This is the future. In five years, 10 years, there are going to be a tremendously greater number of, of uh, clinicians in the home. And you know, I just joined the American Academy of uh, House Call Medicine, home care medicine last year. And you know, five years ago, I learned that, that that meeting had about 50 people. And last year, the meeting had over a thousand people. And it, it, it's just, it's growing tremendously. Uh, yeah, so no more, no more, uh, no meeting this year. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the industry is growing. People are realizing that the hospital is not really a great place to be. Doctors don't even want to be in a hospital. Um, and now that this pandemic has, you know, done what it's doing, uh, you know, people are staying home and, and people are getting their care without having to leave home. So uh, I think the, this, this part of the industry is definitely growing and it will continue to do so. These days, most of us are happy to just get through the day without 
anything going drastically wrong, uh, if we can hold on to our job or navigate our way through school and stay healthy, we call that a win. Then, once in a while, you meet folks who are not content with security and who take the path less traveled. They take on enormous challenges like opening a sobriety-centered business in New Orleans or running a house-call-only medical practice in a pandemic. Scorch, it's been a pleasure to meet you, and Mark, it's been great to catch up with you. Thank you both for taking the time today to join me on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Good to meet you, Scorch. Good to meet you too, Dr. Mark. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Dr. Mark Berenson, founder and house call physician at NOLA Doc, and Scorch Inez, co-founder of The Antidote Juice and The Next Sober Life. We edited this show to fit into a time slot here at WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Scorch's juices and sobriety and Mark's house calls by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. The photos today were taken by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. One of these days, we're going to go back to hosting Out to Lunch around the lunch table. Until then, Commander's Palace is open for dinner seven nights a week and brunch on the weekends. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts, and by Basics Swimming Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 